Well, thanks guys for having us uh, today. I'm um, chocker full of the flu, uh, which doesn't surprise me with the message that I've got to bring to you today that the Lord's laid on my heart. It was interesting, I was talking to Greg during the week, he says, what are you going to share on? And I said, well, in the morning service, I really feel I need to share a word about prayer. And that's always an intimidating. I mean, how many of you feel qualified to stand up and speak for 40 minutes on prayer this morning? Um, you know, it's an intimidating subject, but uh, I, God has laid a, a revelational word on my heart. And wherever I've preached this word around the world, I've had severe opposition to it. So I trust today that God's going to give something to you that will really empower your prayer life like never uh, has before. How many would like to say, I want to learn how to pray better? Amen. You know, if we're really all honest, it's an area that many, many Christians really, really struggle to come to terms with. So I pray this morning that will be um, helpful to you. I've got a couple of books here uh, that i got for sale out, out in the uh, thing. You'll notice down the name, it hasn't got James Anson as the author. It's actually Ed Delph. Ed Delph is a good friend of mine from Phoenix, Arizona, and Ed was just recently with us. And uh, this book here, Church at Community, would be one of the finest books I have ever read about giving the church away to the community. And it has got some incredible revelational truths in this book. Uh, just a sample of what you'll uh, read if you open this book today. Uh, here we go, The Rise and Fall of uh, Humpty Dumpty. That sounds deep, doesn't it? How about this um, chapter, The Man Who Made the Fish Sick? Um, and here's another tra- chapter, Sacred Cows Make the Best Hamburgers. <laughs> Do you like that? So uh, that's out there for sale. It's, it's actually a big, thick book. You know, some of these preachers come around and they say it's a book and it's just a book. It's just, a, you know, like 30 pages. Well, this has actually got some decent reading in it. Uh, so that's for sale for $20 out in the foyer afterwards. And this is another book of Ed's which is, he's entitled Enjoy a Cup of Humour and Some Inspiration. And uh, this had a, has a readership of nearly a million people a week. Uh, these are newspaper articles, five-minute doses of humour and great illustrations that are printed in newspapers around the world. And uh, he's just put, put his first uh, year of uh, those writings into a book. So there's lots of really good devotional stuff in there, great sermon illustrations for your pastor. So I said to Ed, I'm going to see my mate this week and uh, I'd like to give some books away. Can I give your books away, Ed? And so, mate, here you go. Here's a couple of books for you to read. So you can get two of them for um, $35 or one for 20 and that will be a blessing to you today. All right. Turn on the sermon notes, the old iPad. All right. You just pray that it's actually going to work. You know, that the power won't go off or something like that on your iPad and you think, oh, what am I going to do? I have to preach without any notes this morning. So uh, let, let's just, uh, let me just add a quick prayer to Greg's this morning. Father, we thank you today that uh, you're in the business of taking over the world. And, uh, and I thank you, Lord, that you're using ordinary New Zealanders, ordinary people, people that have come here from all over the world that is part of your plan to expand the kingdom of God. And this morning, Lord, we simply ask the anointing would rest upon truth, that truth would come to our ears, our ears would hear what you are saying today. And I pray, Lord, today that information would become revelation that would become application from the head to the heart to the feet. We pray today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. 
Well, I bring greetings from Pastor Tuck Barner. Uh, I've been working with Pastor Tuck nearly for a year. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, I've been working with uh, Pastor Tuck for a year. I have a uh, 23-year history of working with the Elam Churches of New Zealand. And uh, a year ago, the Lord told my wife and I uh, that our time was up. And uh, we stepped down in faith, not knowing where we were going, uh, what we were doing. We had no job. We had nothing. We left a salary, a great church, growing church behind. And we literally stepped out on the edge, not knowing what God was going to do. And so God linked us up with Tuck. And uh, at the uh, end of last year, we planted a new church in the middle of Auckland City and the suburb of Parnell which doesn't have any Pentecostal church in it at all. It's just got a historical Catholic church and, of course, the, the Parnell Cathedral on top of the hill. And uh, so we've gone right into the lion's den, so to speak, and, uh, and it's just been amazing seeing how God uh, has been moving. And I just want to say this in preface to my message today, that uh, we knew, and it was interesting, I recently went to a funeral of an amazing woman, a saintly woman, and uh, at that funeral her... Um, her, her niece uh, who'd done eight years serving the Lord in Burkina Faso in Africa as a missionary came up to me during the funeral and she said to me I've got a word for you so you know, you know wherever you are God can speak to you so I'm in the middle of this funeral and she brings a word to me and she says to me uh, the Lord wants to tell you today that you're not going to see the full outpouring of what God wants to do until you deal with the territorial spirits that are over your particular area. And, uh, and so what she didn't know was that we'd mobilised an army of prayer walkers around our, where we were planning the church. And it's interesting, we, 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 uh, we prayed all around and through the apartments that are right next to Vector Arena. And last, year, about, uh, last week, weekend, about 3,000 people got saved in Vector Arena right around the area that we'd been prayer walking. And so prayer is powerful, friends. Prayer really, really works. And so I want to talk to you about that today, uh, the power of one prayer. Let's just talk about the power of one for a moment. The power of one life. Jesus Christ lived on the earth 2,000 years ago, one life for 33 and a half years. His life, the power of one life, has forever changed the history of the world. You're here this morning because of one man, the power of one life. I think of Reinhard Bonnke from Cape Town to Cairo, Africa, for Jesus. You know, Reinhard Bonnke has had over a million people in one single meeting and has had 30, 40, 50, 100,000 people uh, responding to the gospel message in single meetings. The power of one life. Africa will never be the same again because of Reinhard Bonnke. What about the power this morning of one moment? Elijah calls down fire from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, kills 400 false prophets and receives a great victory for the people of God. The power of one moment, one moment in your life can change everything. Come on church, this morning. What about the power of one day? A man called Joshua prays an audacious prayer and one day and the sun stands still until all of God's enemies have had their vengeance taken upon them. The power of one moment of failure, one sin. King David's life was never quite the same after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. The power of one, friends, is incredible. 
And the power of one prayer this morning has the ability literally to change your circumstances, to change your family, to change your environment, to change your community. The power of one prayer, one simple prayer can literally change the forward momentum and destiny of your life today. And the aim of the Holy Ghost is laid upon my heart today is to give you one simple key that literally has transformed my prayer life and has caused us to see remarkable answers to prayer in the life that we have lived over this last 25 years of serving Jesus Christ. Both my wife and I come from a non-Christian background. Both of us were really messed up people. We're only a little bit messed up now. We're getting less and less messed up as, as the days go by as we continue to seek to serve and obey the scriptures and live our life on the principles that God you know, that's another, that's another power of one, the power of one decision. I do. I do, honey. <laughs> you said, I will. You said those words to me nearly 25 years ago and look at us right now. The power of one decision. The power of saying, Jesus, I give my life to you today. Wow, you'll never be the same again, ever in your life. You know, the Bible records a number of uh, amazing prayers. Moses prays and is literally able to stop the hand of God from destroying the nation of Egypt through the plagues. The power of one prayer. I think of the prophet of Elijah, the power of one prayer, which we're going to look at a little bit more closely, where through one prayer, a man with a, a nature just like yours and mine, no superman, an ordinary nature, probably a man who got the flu, just like I've got the flu today, because he had a nature just like ours. And yet the Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. And through one simple prayer, he turns the rain off and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Guess who the most wanted man of all of Israel was in those three and a half years? A prophet by the name of Elijah. I think of a woman who was barren and couldn't have children. And her husband's other missus, one's enough friends, but her husband's other missus has problems. Uh, she's just getting and, and gnawing at his side, uh, making uh, mocking comments to Hannah about the fact that she could have children and Hannah couldn't. What does Hannah do? She prays, she fasts, and she cries out to God so badly that the priest in the temple thinks she's a drunk woman. And out of that earnest one prayer, the power of one prayer, all of a sudden she gets pregnant. And she gives birth to one of the greatest judges and prophets of Israel, by a little boy by the name of Samuel. So friends, you're kind of getting the picture here today. Ordinary men and women who have learnt that there is power in prayer that's going to unlock the hand of God. Somehow through all of this, we begin to understand the fact that God has bound himself to work in the earth through simple prayers of men and women. Wow. And I want you to take notice of that. He has bound himself to work in the earth in response to the prayers of God's people. Why don't we open our Bibles today at 1 Kings 17 verse 1. 
And let's have a look at Elijah coming on the scene. This is an amazing entrance in Scripture because we actually see nothing uh, of this man's life prior to 1 Kings 17. He literally comes out of obscurity. Do you know what I believe, friends? I believe this today, and I've got to be careful because I've got a whole lot of prophetic stuff sitting in my heart, and I've got to save it for tonight because time has moved on this morning. And so I'm going to share some prophetic stuff tonight. I'm just going to share a message called Loving People Back to Life. The prophetic destiny of the church is to love people back to life. And I trust with the uh, explosive combination of the youth coming back fired up tonight, we're going to have an awesome cocktail of God in this place this evening. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, he's the king, he's the boss, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He comes out of nowhere. He is a nobody. Nobody knows where he's come from. He has no reputation. He's just an ordinary man. He walks up to the highest potentate or ruler of his day and he says, you ain't going to have any rain in this Middle Eastern country that's absolutely desperate for rain at certain times of the year for the economy to continue to grow. He says, there is not going to be any rain falling from heaven unless it's at my word. And I can imagine Ahab laughing and mocking and saying, get out of here. Uh, who do you think you are? And, uh, and of course there's going to be rain here. Who do you think you are that you've got the power to turn on the heavens and turn off the heavens? But three months later, there's still no rain. Six months later, there's still no rain. Now I can imagine Ahab getting a little bit frantic after 12 months, a single year's cycle of seasons, and still no rain. Two years later, you can imagine he's now furious, and he's sent everybody out to find the man. You see, friends, prayer has the ability to turn around nations. Can a nation be one in a day? The Bible says, yes, it can. And you'll find in the history of all revivals that at the center of all moves of God is a little old man or a little old woman who have learned how to unlock the heavens in prayer. Not necessarily old either, but simply somebody that has humbled themselves before God and they've learned the key to unlocking the power. Why don't we go to James 5 quickly now. James 5. Now my $2 watch here, uh, Greg... Uh, runs very slow time. So I just want you to know that. So we're going to try and keep on top of this time thing this morning. James 5 verse 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, like yours this morning. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. The message translation puts it like this. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Do you like that? The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Wow. I always remember my oldest son, Samuel. Uh, at the age of five, we were living in a neighborhood with lots of kids. We were in our second church by this period of time. And, uh, and, and our house on the street was the party house. All the kids in the, our house was the kindergarten of the street. And we had all the neighborhood's kids come to our house to play. 
and they just loved playing. And on this particular day, uh, the rain began to come tumbling down and raindrops pouring uh, out of the sky. And my son was so disappointed. He had all these plans to play with all of his mates that day. And, uh, and the kid from up the road was at our place and he was stuck at our place as this rain started coming down. And he said, Dad, I really want to uh, play. And I said, why don't you go out and pray and command the rain to stop, son? He's five years old. So he walks out down the steps of the front house and he goes, in Jesus' name, I command the rain to stop. At that full stop of the word stop, the rain literally stopped. It was raining cats and dogs. Literally, it's just stopped. I don't know how God works it because there's still rain falling down. How does it suddenly not land on the ground at the simple prayer of a five-year-old boy? You see, friends, we, we've got to understand the simplicity, but the power that is in this thing called prayer today. You know, I want to ask you the question today. Have you ever asked this question? Now, I'm, I'm going to meddle with you a little bit today. Not me, but hopefully the Holy Ghost will this morning. And here's the simple question. Why pray? How many of you believe that God is omnipotent? That means he's all-powerful. How many of you believe that he's omniscient? He's all-knowing. How many of you believe he's omnipresent? That means right now, anywhere in the world, God is fully aware of what is going on. Now, if God has all power, if God knows everything that needs to be done on the earth, why should we pray? If he already knows what should be done, he knows the best, because our minds are limited, we're finite and existent, but he's infinite, he knows everything, he has the power to change everything, then why on earth should we pray? Now, I'm not here to mess you up and to stop you from praying, but I want, I want to understand something today. I want to ask you some questions as we go through the message. This isn't my normal style of preaching, but I need to ask you some questions because I've got to deconstruct some stuff here today that's going to help you begin to understand uh, what the Lord has spoken through his word. Here's a question. Does God have all power in his hand? Does God know about all that needs to happen on planet Earth today? Yes, he does. Then why would he need to wake up someone in New Zealand to pray for a missionary who's experiencing heart problems in the middle of the night to place a burden on the Kiwi to pray for the missionary over in Asia so that God would send his healing word in order for him to be prayed. If God already knows about the missionary who's in trouble, if God already has the power to heal him, then why does he need to wake somebody up in the middle of the night? Am I meddling with you yet? Not quite. I want to eradicate some wrong thinking that can destroy the power of prayer in our lives today. Many people think this, and they really believe this. If God is in control, then what is the point of me praying anyway? He'll do what he's going to do anyway. He knows better than me, so why do I even need to bother with prayer? Can you see that? Can you see that? I don't know if any of you have ever struggled with that kind of thinking before. 
But I want to tell you today, and as I go through this message, I want you to understand today that God needs somebody, and he needs to find somebody in an earth suit. He needs to find somebody who's clothed in humanity. He needs to find somebody that's an ordinary man and an ordinary woman in order for him to release his power in the earth today. And I believe where the concept goes wrong is that we confuse today, we confuse the concept of the sovereignty of God and God being in control of everything. And I'm here to tell you today, please listen carefully to this statement, I'm here to tell you today that God is not in control of everything that's happening on the planet today. I thought that would go down well. Most of you probably have heard the statement, have been counselled by this statement, have had empathy shown towards you with this statement. Don't worry about anything. God is in control. It's one of our common Christian cliches. You see, I debate that today because control implies a complete and absolute dominion over something. Satan is looking to reign in planet Earth through exercising control over people's life. But God works on planet Earth not through control, but rather through delegated authority. There is a difference between the exercise of authority and the exercise of control. If you are kidnapped at knife point and you are held at ransom by your kidnapper, are you in control? Who is in control? The kidnapper is in control. However, do you believe today that the exercise of delegated authority has an involvement of your choice today? All right, you can say yes or you can say no today. Now, does God acknowledge an exercise of authority in the affairs of planet Earth today? Yes. Okay, we're, this is, this is where the thing where I kind of go, no, no. Yes, he does. Otherwise, the power of free will or the power of choice is removed out of our lives. And we become robots. We become people who are remotely controlled by this higher being called God today. Now, if God is in, if we were to say today that God is in control of everything on planet Earth, would it not then mean that His will is being 100% absolutely being done? If we're saying that God is in control of everything on the planet today, are we not saying that His will would be 100% absolutely being done today? Is God's will being done today on the planet? What is God's will for every person? That none should perish, that all should come in repentance. Do we observe that some perish? So therefore we have to argue the point that God is not in control of everything that is happening in the earth today. If God was in control of everything, how many people would perish? We're on a roll this morning. Hallelujah. You see, this is what I began to observe When I became a Christian, I got mentored by a prophet. And a prophet of God saw me in the congregation as a brand new believer one day and the Lord spoke to him and said to him, I want you to get that young man, the call of God's upon his life, and I want you to get him and come and live with you for a year. 
And uh, through one thing led to another, and he invited me to come and live with him. He's a scary-looking dude. He's, he's, he's a bit taller than me, but he's about three times wider than I am. And he's an ex-Vietnam vet. He served two tours in Vietnam with the New Zealand Army. And uh, he's, had a, he's had a terrible life, but God redeemed him, saved him, took him out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and made him into something special in the realm of the Spirit. And so for the first 12 months of my walk with Jesus, I had a daily mentoring program of being mentored in prayer and intercession by a prophet of God. It was some kind of experience. And literally every week I saw miraculous answers to prayer happening all around me. It was a phenomenal time within my life. And I began to realize that there was something to do with prayer because this guy never had a platform. He wasn't a speaker anywhere. He, never, he, he would prophesy sometimes in Christian meetings, but he wasn't invited as a speaker. He didn't have a platform or anything. But incredible miracles and answers to prayer happened around his life all the time. And so he began to teach me a few things. And as I began to get familiar with the Word of God, God began to reveal to me that there is a missing link today that brings a brand new understanding for you as a Christian about prayer. There's something missing that God needs today on planet Earth. And we're going to discover that in just a moment. You see, to accomplish something, you have to have knowledge. To accomplish something, you have to have power. Power is the ability to carry out the knowledge this morning. And so if we really believe and think that God is in control of planet Earth today, we have to believe that right now God is happy with everything that is actually taking place on the planet. Do you think God is 100% happy? With the drug dealers that are at work in your neighborhood? Do you think he's 100% happy with that girl that's just gone and got an abortion? Come on, church. We've got to understand something here today. And if he is in control, how do we explain the constant evil that we see written in the newspapers around us every single day? That young girl that might have just been raped. That pensioner that was robbed and beaten in broad daylight. Do we really believe that God is in control of that? How would they feel if they're following your motor car down the motorway and you've got a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says, don't worry about anything, God is in control. I guarantee victims of crime would really, that would be something that would get right up their nostrils as they're following you in your car. So let's go over some ground again as we come in for a landing this morning. Let's establish some facts today. Is God the sovereign ruler over planet Earth? Yes, he is. Then if God has all knowledge of what needs to be done in the earth, if God has all power needed to get the work done on the earth, why can't he just go and do it? You see, the missing thing, God has the knowledge, God has the power, but the missing element of what God does not have on planet earth is authority permission to come and do what he needs to be done and I'm going to explain this as I come in for a finish today Genesis 1 26 tells us today why God does not have authority on the earth today and you may say to me Pastor James wait a minute didn't Jesus strip the world of the demonic power at the cross did he not did he not did Jesus not defeat the devil at the cross Did he not strip him of his power? Then how come we see demons 
manifesting and at work everywhere around the world today. Here's why, friends, because demons work through lies and deception. And they lie to people about the reality that's around about them. And once people buy into the lies, they go ahead and wreak havoc. And so all around, that's the, the, the Bible clearly teaches that the devil is a legalist. That means he can only come into your life and do what he can do if you give him room to do that. And all around the world, people who don't know Jesus are giving the devil lots of room to wreak havoc and we see the destruction and we see the evidence of that coming in all around us today. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, a thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And so men, I want to ask you a question tonight. If a thief comes into your home in the middle of the night, he breaks through into a window to steal your goods today. Does he have authority to do that? Come on, together. Does that stop him from trying? No, it doesn't. Who does have the authority to stop him? So men, you better grab that baseball bat that you've hidden under the bed and you better use it and use your authority to stop that thief from stealing your goods today. You could also use a telephone and dial 111, but sometimes you may not have the opportunity to do that and you are legally by New Zealand law in your authority to stop somebody from invading your home. You have the authority. But notice it doesn't stop the devil from trying. Let's go to Genesis 1.26 up on screen now. Thanks. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all the earth and over every creepy thing, creeping thing, sorry, that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them. Listen to this, church. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Let's say that together. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What did God charge mankind to do? To have dominion, to subdue, to have authority over all the earth. Who this morning understands today that you and I have been given authority by God in the earth. Let's quickly go over this. The Bible tells us that the earth belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything. God owns everything. Who's sovereign over the earth? The Lord. But what has been, who has been given authority over the earth? We have. We have. What did Adam and Eve do in Genesis 3? They sold out to the devil through the lies and the deception. Did God really say, Adam? Did God really say, Eve? They brought into the lies, they sold out, sin was committed and two brand new forces, previously unseen, entered the earth, sin and death. God did not want sin and death to ravage and destroy the earth. 
So he came up with a plan. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, perfect man, perfect God, came into the world, took on the form of a man, died on a cross for sin, died on a cross for death because the wages of sin is death. He destroyed the power of death at the cross, which is why whosoever believes on him will not perish, but shall have everlasting life today. That's you and that's me. Simply through the power of one prayer, your life can be taken from eternal darkness into eternal light, where you are translated by the power of the Spirit through one simple prayer that you pray, inviting Jesus Christ into your heart, where your life will literally change in a twinkling of an eye and you can become a born again son and daughter of the Most High God and you will be forever with Him because of the power of one simple prayer. Jesus took back the lost authority and then in Matthew's Gospel we see this, all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me Therefore, go. Delegated authority through Jesus' victory at the cross was given back to mankind to go into all the world today. And I want to tell you today, Jesus has passed back that to his followers today. I want to finish by illustrating this concept to you today. Let's just imagine today that I'm the owner of of a six-story apartment building. I have a number of apartments and the two best ones are on the top floor, the penthouse. And Greg comes to me one day and Greg says, James, I really like that penthouse of yours. Could we do a deal? Because Greg's always about doing deals, you see. So he says, could we do a deal today? You know, I'll give you a hundred bucks a week for your penthouse. So mate, go away, come back when you're in reality, boy. But because you're a mate, I'll give it to you for 300 instead of the normal price of 800 a week. I'm a good bloke. Am I not, Greg? I'm a good bloke. And so I pass the keys to the penthouse to Greg. Now I want to ask you a question, church. Can I now just go in and wander in any time I want to inspect my apartment that I own that Greg is leasing off me? Why can't I? I don't have authority. I need Greg's permission. I need Greg's authority that has been passed back to him in order to come and inspect the apartment. Here's the deal, church. I want you to get this bottom line today. May it slip from here to here. 6,000 years ago, Jesus Christ leased the earth to mankind. He gave you full authority to have dominion, to take authority in the earth. And He released that authority to you today. And if God wants to do something in the earth, He needs permission from His creation in order for His hand to move, for the power of God to be released through the moving of the Spirit in the earth today because He has committed Himself to you in such a way that He has granted to you 
full delegated authority to release the hand of God. And the only way it's going to be released is when he finds someone in an earth suit, somebody that's carrying their authority, somebody that has the revelation. God, when I pray and I release your hand, you're going to move in the earth and things are about to happen. That's why you need to pray. God does know everything. God does have all power. But He's waiting for His creation through the authority He's given to us to now release His hands to begin to move in the earth. You know, when I became a Christian, I was a petrol station engineer attendant. (laughs) That means I used to pump gas into cars. And one day, about three months after I gave my life to the Lord, a regular customer that used to come in, she was 91 years old, a little European lady, and she said this. She had a placard, framed placard in the back of her little Ford Escort. said, for God so loved the world. Had John 3.16 on it. And I'm a brand new Christian, and I'm witnessing to everything that moves. And I say to her, are you a Christian? She said, yes, young man, I am. Why do you ask? And I said, because I've just become a Christian. And I'm jumping up and down. And she's looking at me. And she said, I'm very excited to hear about that. Because do you know I've been coming to this service station for 30 years. And from the moment that you turned up on the job here, I've been praying for you every single day without fail. How did I get saved? I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't want to draw near to God. I didn't want to have anything to do with the religion. I didn't want to have anything to do with the church. Through the simple authority that God had given that little old lady, she began to pray for me every day. And as a result, angels were sent. Supernatural happenings began to take place all around my life until one day I literally encountered Jesus Christ in my flat. And I attributed it to the simple prayers of that old lady. Let me finish off with this story. My father was 58 years old. He had a 500-acre farm. He had a 10-bedroom mansion, homestead, that was my inheritance, all carved out of native timber. He had two homes on the property, and he was bankrupted by a New Zealand bank through a credit card debt. And the official he sent the place in, locked everything up, kicked my father off his own farm, and my father lost everything. And I'd been trying to tell him about God for a long time. Three or four years that I'd been saved. One day I finished work. As I'm driving along in my car, I begin to feel this terrible sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. I began to rebuke this demon, that demon, every demon I could think of, it began to take authority. Nothing shifted the feeling that I had deep in my heart. It was so heavy I felt like I was being plunged into the driver's seat. As I was driving along, I literally felt this weight, this burden that was so, it was so bad, I literally wanted to just disappear and go away. I get to my destination where I'm staying and I'm, I'm, I'm boarding with a guy, a solo dad and his two kids. And I literally run from the car into my bedroom. And I can't do anything except lie prostrate on the ground because of this burden that's so bad. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I don't know how long I was there. My flatmate said I was there for a considerable amount of time, but this is what happened. This is what happened next. As I began to try and pray, I couldn't speak in English anymore. All I could do was literally groan and utter. 
unutterable, unintelligent sounds. And then in a moment of time, I was taken into the spiritual realm. And this TV screen just like unfolded in front of me in the spirit realm. And there in full blown view is my own father, my earthly dad. And I'm looking into his bright blue eyes and all I can see is absolute despair. His face is full of despair. And as I'm looking into him, I just begin to weep and begin to sob. I can't say anything in English. And I'm crying. And I'm, and I'm just saying, I'm in my heart, I'm going, God, you need to save him. I couldn't say anything out of my mouth. And this went on for some time. And then at the end of that moment in time, the window just closed down. And that terrible feeling that I had, the burden of the Lord just lifted off me. And as the burden lifted off me, the voice of the Spirit said to me, Tonight, your Father is going to give His life to me. The next day, I got a phone call from my father and he said, Son, guess what? All that stuff you've been telling me about. I went to a Bill Sapritsky meeting with my partner last night and I walked up the front and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You see, friends, in this room, there is power to unlock this whole city for Jesus Christ. There are people right here and now that you're desperate to see saved. There are right now people in financial situations that need to be turned around. You have the authority today to release it in prayer. Could we all stand together right now, please? Who is sovereign over the earth? Who has authority over the earth? Who's going to release that authority today? Woohoo! We're on our way, church, to seeing some incredible answers in prayer to be done. Could I have the music team come as we just finish the service today? And as, we're, as they're coming, get those beautiful violinists up here that I was coveting earlier on in the service. What magnificent musicianship they had. You know, as I come to a conclusion today, there's one more prayer that needs to be prayed in this place today. Pastor Greg has already alluded to it. But I want to say this, we've seen many, many people saved in the last 12 months. That means saved, that means people who understand they live without God and they need God in their life. And through the power of one simple prayer, today your life can forever change as my life did all those years ago. And the prayer goes simply something like this. Dear God, I've sinned against you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I ask for your forgiveness today and I ask you to come into my life today. One simple prayer today can turn your life around. Could we bow our heads today in prayer and close our eyes just for a moment? This is a moment that's reserved between you and God today. You may be here today and you are not saved. You do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have come into the church today. You've been in a backslidden condition. You haven't been walking with God regularly. And this morning, it's time for you to give your life back to Jesus Christ. Without anyone looking around today, through the power of one prayer that we're going to pray in a moment, if that's you today and you want to get your life right with God, could I quickly see your hand? Would you quickly slip it up today? I'm looking around right now. I want to give you the best opportunity this morning 
to say, yes, thank you, ma'am. Is there somebody else? Thank you, ma'am, over here. Is there somebody else here today? You're saying, yes, I desperately need to get right with God. I want to receive Jesus into my life. This is my time. So thank you, sir, up the back there. I see your hand. Is there anybody else here this morning? You're saying, yes, God. Thank you, ma'am. They're in the yellow. God bless you. Thank you, sir, in the front here. Thank you, ma'am, up the back there. God bless you this morning. Is there anybody else? God is moving in the house. Thank you, ma'am, down the back there. Thank you, Father. Is there anybody else here today? It's day for you to get right with God, to give your life to you. Thank you, sir, over there. Great. God bless you. See your hand today. Is there anybody else here today? Friends, in just a moment, as you receive Jesus into your life, I want to tell you, all of heaven is now at your disposal through the power of one prayer. Through the power of one prayer. Through the power of one prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something really courageous now because I simply believe this. Years ago, the Lord told me as I was preaching on the street, if you would confess me before your Father in heaven, I will confess you before the angels. If you've raised your hand this morning and you want to come, I want to meet with you personally, I want to shake your hand and I want to pray with you. Would you come quickly if that's you today? Don't be ashamed. This is between you and God, not anything to do with anyone else that's in this place today. Would you quickly come, those that have raised their hand, would you come this morning? Come on, bring them up, bring them up, bring a friend with you today. God bless you. Let's give them a hand as they come, church. Come on. Let's give them a hand as they come. Others of you this morning, come on up. Come on up. Come on over, over here. Up here, up the front. Fantastic. Fantastic. Come on up, guys. Awesome. I recognize this young man. This young man used to be a friend of my five-year-old son I was telling you about, Josiah. Is that right? Yeah, I remember your face. Clearly, I tell you what, my friends, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's hand is with you. His rod and his staff will not leave you. What you need to do is not get your eyes on your problems, but turn your and fix your gaze toward heaven. And God's going to begin to release some things into your situation. You're going to find the hand of the Lord moving upon your life, the favor of God coming around about your life. And you need to do what Greg gave this morning in a prophetic word. He said, hold on. God's saying to you, hold on, son, this morning, because he's about to do something that's got breakthrough written all over it, and it's times you feel powerless, but I want to tell you, the one that has all the power is with you today. And this is a courageous step for you to step forward this morning and say, yes, I want to get my life right with Jesus. Let's give the Lord another hand this morning, church. Thank you, Lord. Church, could you pray together with me? Those of you that have come forward this morning, just look at me for a moment. We're going to pray this prayer together. The Spirit of God is here to touch your life. And as we pray this prayer together, you need to understand today, when you finish praying this prayer, you have all of heaven behind you. That things are about to change in your life. That favor is going to come around about your life. The negativity that you've been facing is about to become eroded. It won't go all the way at once, but you're going to find all of a sudden, I can think positively about the future. And God is going to give you a future and a hope. So church, could you pray with me this prayer as we all pray together in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I believe in you today. I believe you love me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I have failed, Lord. 
I've fallen short. I have sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me. I pray the blood of Christ would wash my sins away. I now ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. Help me to make you my Lord. To live each day with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody gave the Lord a clap and a hand today. Woo! Awesome.